Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I am on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. Basically, I want to know how people find creative solutions and then how they use them at home, work, play and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time you need it. Now, you've probably met or heard about people who took up a new hobby or skill during COVID lockdown. There was like a lot of baking and DIY and all sorts of things. But how many of those actually kept it up after the restrictions eased? So today I'm speaking with Erica Ng, who used her COVID creativity to kind of drive the next part of her career. So let's find out how. Welcome, Erica. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Erica's actually um, calling in from Bali. Very exciting. (laughs) So Erica, um, so you have had quite an interesting career started in science and moved into teaching and HR and now communications. But COVID was actually kickstarting your creativity again. Tell me tell me about that. What did that look like? For sure. So during COVID, we had a lot of downtime and I'd been working on myself in a multitude of ways prior to that. But during this time, because I was alone, I needed to fill my time. And I didn't want to just sit around scrolling. So I made it my mission to try out different hobbies. It didn't matter that they maybe didn't end up being like a long-term thing, but in the short term, I wanted to do something and fill up that time. And I picked up a bunch of different things. And to keep me accountable, I actually started an accountability group. So three of my girlfriends, we still do this once a month, but during COVID, once a week, we would check in on each other. And just knowing that I would say something like, I'm going to start painting. And knowing that a week later, someone was going to ask me, like, how's the painting going? Really kept me going through COVID. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so um, you were trying all sorts of things. Was it just painting or what else did you dabble with? I actually started off with UX design. So I was looking for a career change. I knew that teaching wasn't going to be something that I wanted to do long term. I love it. I love making a difference in people's lives. But I, I, I thought that I wanted to do something that was more technically uh like something that was more technical. And so UX design kind of fit the bill. I've always enjoyed playing around on Photoshop when I was a teenager and I love problem solving. And when I was taking a couple courses, it was really fun. At the end of the day, it's just problem solving and it has a very scientific way of coming about uh, the solution. So that was really fun for me. And that kind of triggered all these other things being good at UX design also means that you need to be able to visually have something that looks great, not only um, useful for the user. So I started painting as well. I started with watercolors, which is, I would not recommend anyone starting with watercolors. It's very difficult. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it. I started seeing all these other benefits of 
learning patience, like waiting for that water to dry, it started becoming kind of a meditative practice. And then from there, I started doing things like crocheting and knitting because it it fit into other beliefs that I have about the world. Yeah. So tell us, what is UX design? Oh, so UX design is when you look at a website and you can see that like if they're using cards or if they're using like a menu at the top or the side, it's all about how people flow through um, a website. It could also be for something as simple as a city, right? It's all about users and how to make it as simple as possible for them to get to whatever the end goal is. So there is a lot of testing that comes with it. You design something, you get a couple people to go through yours. You say like, okay, you're going to go on this website and you're going to find an item and you're going to check it out. And it was really interesting to see where people kind of had troubles. Like I designed this website for a friend of mine who runs a nonprofit. And as I was doing testing, People could not figure out how to find the menu. It was at the top, which I thought was, that's where the menu always is. People would scroll all the way to the bottom, go to the footer and click on something. So that told me that either the menu wasn't big enough or I needed icons. I needed something to draw their eye to the top. So that's UX design. <laughs> yeah, UX, user experience. Um, that's that's a, such an interesting thing to choose during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit interested in prior to that though, right? Yes, I was already interested. I was dating a software engineer at that time. So it was always like design and uh, building websites was already around me. Um, and then yeah, UX design just seemed like I knew a couple of UX designers. I it seemed interesting. I love that idea of merging something visual with something that is useful. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I started. Yeah. And so what has finding that creativity done for you? Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> define because there are so many benefits to it. I was thinking about this question as I was coming into this interview. Um, I think that the knitting and the crocheting has allowed me to make clothing that is really personalized to me, whether it be the color, the cut, the shape, the pattern. And all of this is really important to me because I see that climate change is happening and I don't want to take part in fast fashion. So this has been a way for me to really make something that I love. And I know that the quality is going to hold up over time. Um, and I won't want to throw it away because it has all the sentimental value. I know that I spent 30 hours on this sweater. I'm not going to throw it away. Big, big commitment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Big commitment. Um, I think on top of that, it's given me an outlet that is productive in my mind. I have, I, I don't like to doom scroll. I think most of us know what that feels like. And I always felt so guilty about like watching a bunch of movies or just vegging out on the couch. So now I can watch terrible reality TV shows while I'm knitting. So it still feels productive. I feel less guilty about it. Um, and then I think, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and then I think the last thing would be that it's given me a sense of calm. I was reading this book called What Happened to You. It's by Oprah Winfrey and this doctor, a therapist. And they were talking about how 
we we've figured out like healthy diets. We figured out um, going to therapy so that we have a healthier mind. But when it comes to something like just having something that's rhythmic in your life, um, you may have noticed that if you go stare at the ocean for hours, or if you dance, or if you go for a walk, these are all really healthy things for your body and for your mind. And knitting has become that for me because it's so rhythmic. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Your body is actually healing from that. And it's something that's really important for people to do. That's so interesting because I mean, like we see these like cyclical things that always appear in nature, you know, the seasons change and the waves mm-hmm. come in and out. I never realized that was, I mean, it makes sense now you've said it, like it's so ingrained in our nature. Of course, it's right. going to be good for us to be observant and actually acknowledge that. Right. Yeah. And I think especially like if you think of us developing in the mom's womb, right, you can hear the heartbeat. That's probably what you're hearing all the time. Um, So it kind of mimics those things. So when we need to reset, when we need to like get out of our heads and just into our bodies, that's what you can return to over and over again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I listen to um, sleep stories and soundscape Mm -hmm. stuff sometimes to help me fall asleep. And I always wonder like, what is it about this thing that's kind of like this constant noise, more the soundscapes than the sleep stories, but waves or rain or babbling brook. And I was like, (laughs) it's just so instantly calming. (laughs) It is. It totally is. Based in all this science. That's so, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's, I I love reading and learning about these things because then you start connecting all these other threads in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I love the fact that creativity has, um, you know, some tangible outcomes for you, Mm -hmm. sort of physical, some mental. I think that's really, really cool. But I mean, you weren't doing much creativity before that. You didn't really see yourself as a creative. Is that right? Yeah, not at all. I, when I went into university for science, I was like, I'm giving up (laughs) all these silly creative things. It felt like I was starting adulthood by ending a lot of the hobbies that I had because when I was a teenager, this is a little bit embarrassing. I was obsessed with Harry Potter. <laughs> so a lot of my creative outlets was Harry Potter related. So I was writing fan fiction. I learned how to use Photoshop to like merge these movie pictures so that I could like make backgrounds for websites. It was super, super nerdy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I it really felt like that's so childish. Like I shall no longer enjoy my Harry Potter passions and I will be a serious adult by focusing on science. And yeah, I was just so career focused uh, for the first five, six years of my twenties that it, yeah, I, I just totally cut it out of my life. Um, and it wasn't until I experienced burnout really hard in Vietnam. I was working for a startup and I was in charge of like 300 people. I don't know who puts a 26 year old in charge of 300 people, <laughs> bad management. Um, but yeah, I was working really hard. I was working like six days a week. And even on my off days, I was on call. So if there was an emergency, they could call me in at any moment. And I rage quit. <laughs> I did this for like two years and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, this company 
not only is overworking me, but also I don't believe in the values that they stand for. They would say one thing, but their actions did something else. So I decided to take a year off of work, um, which was really lovely. And it gave me time to rethink what my values were. It started off with being a better friend. I've been abroad my entire adult life and there are friends that did a better job of keeping up with me or they came to visit wherever I was living. Um, But I don't think that I was emotionally there for them. So it was a shift for me to start reevaluating who I wanted to be and what is important to me. Career is not top. Um, So yeah, being a better friend, being a better daughter (laughs) and sister. And then, yeah, I started exploring other things, just making time for things like dance and for travel. While I was traveling, I tried photography, did not pan out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's kind of how it started. Just realizing that there's more to life than making a certain amount of money or making um, a difference in a corporation. Uh, yeah, definitely a time to reevaluate. Yeah, yeah. So the pressure of leaving behind your good old Harry Potter days, was mm. that purely you driving that or did you have like your family or like where did that come from? My being Chinese, you'd think that you'd get more pressure from your parents, but my parents were always kind of hands off. They gave us the building blocks uh, early on, me and my sister, and they kind of just let us go. I don't think they even knew that I was writing Harry Potter fan fiction. They just knew I was on the computer all the time, but they never um, asked me to stop. I just thought that, yeah, that's what adulthood was. And then I think also because high school, you had to take certain amount of credits um, of certain things. So I took choir from like for five years in my high school. So it that was also an outlet of being just like every day singing for an hour <laughs> and then not doing that anymore and not having physical activity because in Canadian universities, there's no requirement for these things. Mm-hmm. For the science degree, it's just take a bunch of science, take a bunch of math, and then you have like a couple of credits to fill, which I filled with history. I, I did a minor in history as well. Um, so very limited. And then you're just busy. You're trying to figure out who you are. <laughs> you, you, I don't know, want to move on from childish, quote unquote, um, hobbies so that you can grow up. Yeah. yeah wow. The It's interesting to me that you kind of didn't see yourself as a creative person, although all you've spoken about to me is <laughs> all these creative pursuits you're Mm -hmm. writing and you're noodling around on the computer and they're singing and dancing like you clearly were doing all these creative things but you actually just didn't think that you were creative yeah what shifted that I think part of it was because (laughs) in the science uh degree we thought we were better than the art students (laughs) we're like we're actually studying something we'll actually be able to get a job at the end of the day so there was that competitive nature where we distanced ourselves like it wasn't even just the art degrees we were as a chemistry major we were like we're not as serious as the engineering and the physics students but we're definitely more serious than the biology students because it's it's a softer science than like something like chemistry so it's this weird competitive mindset and almost tribalism when it came to the sciences that it felt like 
by being more serious and more um, studious, you were, you had more value to society. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you definitely see that every time budget time comes around and the government, you know, choosing where they're going to allocate the money. Yeah. Anything, when anything goes, like it's always the arse that gets cut first. <laughs> right, exactly. And, or if they do get anything, there's like this huge uproar because it's, you know, that money should be going to something that's more serious. Um, that always sure. perplexes me because it's, we consume so mm-hmm. much artistic material all the time. TV shows, mm-hmm. movies, music. It's wild to me that people don't make that connection. For sure. I think, I mean, I don't think I made that connection until I went to the MoMA in New York. And yeah, it's wild to me. Now that I'm looking back, I see so many aspects of my life that I missed out on um, and thankfully have refound. But yeah, I think most people just, I'm not sure if this is the same in Australia, but in North America, it feels like there's a rat race, like race rat race <laughs> there's this idea that you need to have value to society and to do that is to make a lot of money and the arts some people definitely do but it feels like a much harder route whereas other things are like tried and true yeah yeah definitely there is a lot of value wrapped up in earnings mm-hmm. and output yes. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, throughout all of these conversations that I'm having with people on the podcast, it's it's insane to me that people aren't considering the other the other values, which are mm-hmm. making us feel happy and actually enjoying our lives. Yeah. <laughs> How does that not yeah. value more? <laughs> For sure. I don't think that we talk about what actually makes a happy life enough. I think that this is a whole other rant that I have, but I think with the world being more and more non-secular, like religion has slowly died out, we don't have as many spaces to talk about what is a good life. And I'm not saying that we need to start up religions and get more into that anymore, but I think that there does need to be a space to talk about that and learn from people who have experienced more and also, yeah, just share ideas. Yeah, more safe spaces, I think, to mm-hmm. just allow people to explore and For not sure. to be focusing on this in like this output that has to be meaningful right. and strategic and just do it because it makes you happy. Yeah, it definitely like slowing down, I think, is a big thing when it comes to being creative because your first idea might not be great. The first time you paint, the first time you crochet, you delve into any creative pursuit. It's going to be kind of terrible, but the beauty is the journey, right? Learning um, when you're doing too much, like that one extra layer of paint really (laughs) messed with the entire painting, but knowing that you can just do it over again. And if there's... mm, like if you can just enjoy the process, it makes enjoying your career more as well, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as someone who is now reconnected with creativity, you now consider yourself to be a creative person. Where do you think people should start if they just feel like they don't have creativity in them? What what are your recommendations there? I think, I mean, for me, it was about looking back to childhood. I think 
for most of us, we did some things as a child just for fun. It wasn't because we were trying to further our career. Um, so for me, I, that's where I started. I started looking back and it's difficult. It's more difficult if you're out of practice doing um, a creative pursuit. So I find having restrictions really helpful. Uh, so when it came to the UX design or when it came to writing, I was looking for podcasts. I'm a huge podcast lover. And there were some people that were creating these challenges um, and having a short time limit, like the UX designs that I was looking at, they would give you a challenge. It'd be like, you're going to design an app for a pet adoption agency. You have like an hour to do it. So you know, it's not going to look good. <laughs> so there, that pressure is taken off and you can work within those creative limits. That way you have a direction. I find it very overwhelming when I'm trying to paint something new. <laughs> I'm just like, what, but what am I going to paint? Like what colors am I going to use? So yeah, just narrowing it down first is really helpful uh, in the beginning. And then now I'm at the point where I have like 15 different knitting projects that I really want to do. So I just have a running list. Um, and then one other thing that I would really suggest to people is to make it as easy as possible for yourself. I'm a huge spreadsheet person. So I, on my to-do list, I, I write down things that I need to do for the day, but I also have a column for things that are important to me. So I have a column for people that I love that I don't see regularly. So just looking at it, I can be like, okay, I haven't talked to this person in a while. And it's right there for me to see. And then I also have a list of productive things that I can do instead of scrolling or instead of vegging out on the couch. So if, if I'm stressed out and I want to relax, I don't have the brain power to be like, what should I do? So having that list is much easier. It's like, if you're trying to figure out what to have for dinner, you're like, oh God, I don't know. But if your partner gives you three things to choose from, it's much easier to choose. Mm -hmm. So I think doing little things like that, whatever your way of doing it is, to make it easy for you to do those creative pursuits is going to be way better than <laughs> watching TV for three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think I love that idea of looking back to move forward because mm. that's certainly something that's been discussed on the podcast previously is that think back to your childhood and like what did you like then mm. um if you're not doing it now why not like just give it a crack right <laughs> there's something yeah, about it that made you happy yeah and there are some things that I did in my childhood that I don't enjoy anymore but you're not really losing anything by figuring out you aren't doing something that you weren't already doing so just testing that out yeah and I'd say like don't be afraid to try new things. I've taught adults before and I've taught children before. And the biggest difference between them is that kids are don't care if they fail. They're like, well, like I'm a kid. I'm supposed to be bad at stuff. But as adults, I think we hold ourselves to these standards that are unrealistic and giving yourself the space to do something and not be good at it. But if you find joy in it, who cares? You can paint something and never show anyone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not about that end result, is it? It's like that. Process. No. So have you revisited Harry Potter again? I have. <laughs> I actually revisited <laughs> in the form of podcast. Um, there is this podcast. I can't remember the 
name of it. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Basically, they go through each chapter as if it were a sacred text, as if it were the Bible, as if these people actually lived lives. And they talk about, yeah, just like the different characters. They usually have a theme. So it might be something like regret. And they read that chapter through the lens of regret. And it yeah, you get to have this really deep conversation. Uh, I don't do any Photoshop or write fan fiction anymore, but <laughs> I still enjoy it. <laughs> that sounds like a really cool idea for the podcast. And so you've remixed it, but it's more like from a consumption point of view rather than a production point of view. Yes. And that's totally fine as well. For sure. And I have i don't think that there are other <laughs> fantasy-related pursuits that I have. But yeah, I've I've definitely delved back into reading and consuming more adult fantasy novels. I'm working through the Stormlight Archive right now. Um, so yeah, that's been fun. It, it lets the imagination go. Sometimes after you read a chapter, you're like, I'm going to fall asleep, but I'm going to try to predict where he's going to go with the rest of the story. So storytelling, but just in my head to fall asleep is <laughs> a creative hobby as well I guess oh definitely use of imagination I think fantasy yeah. reading fantasy requires a lot of imagination because mm-hmm. it's quite often these mythical things or you know um fabricated worlds that you have right. to suspend your belief and imagine sure. what it may look like it's it's the ultimate in imagination I think for sure. And my partner and I actually read that together. He usually reads it out loud to me so I can fall asleep. Um, so we have some really interesting imaginative conversations about it. So he'll like do voices for some of the characters. And as I'm listening to it, I'm imagining a person and he's imagining a different person. So we have conversations about like, wait, which actor are you thinking when you're doing that voice, who would you cast for these different roles? And it becomes this other joy of ours because he's a big movie person um, that, yeah, we can kind of come together and be like, I was imagining like The Rock to play this dude. I was like, I was imagining Liam Neeson, like totally different people. Yeah. (laughs) I actually often think that when I love a book and Mm. then like the movie of it comes out, I'm sort Mm. of hesitant to even go there because it will take away from what I imagined in my head and you know all these who I pictured and what they sounded like and what they look like because once you see it in the movie format you're like wait that's not what I thought or or once you see it you can't unsee it for sure I think especially for me Game of Thrones I tried reading it first but there's just so many weird names so many characters that I had to watch the first season first and then go back to read it and it definitely did that where like Jamie Lannister is Jamie Lannister now there is nothing else but it it also helps me become more creative because there are definitely scenes that are taken out or things that happen in the book that don't happen in the movie so yeah and then I, I want to paint it and then I want to like get enough skill to visualize it in front of me oh so it's influencing you in your creative pursuits as well yeah I mean I'm not up to that skill level so it doesn't (laughs) my boyfriend and I I got him a sketch pad we were like okay draw this character (laughs) and it came out terribly for both of us we both sketched it out but it was really funny 
to do that and try to explain what we were envisioning in our picture, even though our skills didn't match it. Yeah. But definitely having someone to share it with has been really fun. I've had a couple of friends express interest in some of the creative pursuits that I have, whether it be painting or crocheting. And it's been really fun to teach that to someone else and get them into it. Because if you have other people around you who are excited about the same thing, you're more likely to stick to it. And it's it's like stacking the joy that you have. Oh, I love that. A little community, yeah. communal effort. <laughs> yeah, we had an art afternoon where we were just sitting in the rice paddies and we brought all of our art supplies and we got to share the art supplies because it's not cheap to buy all of these things. And sometimes you just want to test it out without buying the full set. So having that to share with one another and having someone to guide you, be like, okay, these are the mistakes that I made when I first took up this uh, type of art. Don't do that. Do this instead. It's kind of like a jump start. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And also just by getting back to nature and painting outside. That For is sure. that is like ideal. <laughs> yes. That is the luxury of living in Bali. You can do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So now what what does the future hold for you? Like are you going to continue trying to explore different forms of creativity or or what what are your plans? I have like so I've taken up a couple different things and I'm starting to wonder if I should mix them. So when I was in Portugal earlier this year, I was really taken by this tram that's in Lisbon. It's this bright pop of yellow. And as I was looking at it and I saw other people's renditions of it as I was walking down the street um, in painting, I was wondering if I could do acrylic on canvas, but have the tram be embroidered so that it really pops out. It's a different texture. And so that's kind of where my mind is going now. I've taken up so many different things. How can I mix these things together to do something new? And obviously Instagram is a huge inspiration because you see all these people who make these beautiful things that are so interesting and so creative that it sparks your own creativity. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my mind is at in the short-term future. Uh, in the long-term, I think that I will definitely continue doing these things. I am starting to run out of closet space because <laughs> it's it's only summer in Bali, so I can't make sweaters and scarves and like switch them out throughout the year. Um so I'm I'm trying to think of other things that I can make. I'm worried that my entire house will be covered in yarn <laughs> by the end of like three, four years. Um, but I have also started making things for other people, um, whether it be my cousin who had a baby, I made them like a little baby blanket and a little stuffed animal. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to continue to grow my own set of skills and who knows what other things I will take up. I'm excited for that. Yes, I love the combining of, of all of that into this multimodal mixed media artwork. But I also like the fact that now it's helping you achieve that other goal of yours of being, you know, a more connected friend and family yes. member. That you That's a good bring, point. Yeah, bring your arts into that and, and helping um, sustain those connections when you may be overseas. 
For sure. Yeah. I, I had not thought of that at all, but that's definitely a huge motivation of why I made that gift because I'm not around. So I want that baby to know that they are loved from afar. <laughs> I spent three months on this, but please know I care about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely that. And I think also sharing the things that I've learned with other people is definitely something I want to pursue more of. Um, Lovely. Ah, oh, well, I'm glad you got a little bit of a win at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nice to learn something about yourself uh, through a podcast. Oh, that actually, that's the other thing that I've been doing. I started my own podcast and been editing and arranging and writing scripts. So I guess I, I am doing a little bit of writing in that way. Nice. What's your podcast about? Uh, it's about self-help. I think that, as you may have like extracted from my stories. Um, I have worked on myself a lot and I wanted to know where else that could go. So the first season is on romantic love and I have on different experts or people who've experienced different things and they share what they learn from books or from their own personal lives. And you leave with some practical advice that you can hopefully integrate into your own life long-term. Perfect. Oh, great. Well, I'll definitely pop the links to your podcast in the yeah. show and to your business and everything like that so people can get in touch with you. Yeah, but I'd appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you so much for having me on. It was really fun to kind of look back on all these things I've done and learn a little bit about myself. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I also want to say thank you to everyone who's tuned into Creativity Uncovered today. Um, I really hope this episode has inspired you to, to try something new. And I also hope that it helps you summon your creativity the next time that you need it. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.